Congregation, let us turn to the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 52. Questions 127 through 129. 127, which is the sixth petition? Answer, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That is, since we are so weak in ourselves that we cannot stand a moment. And besides these sins, our mortal enemies, the devil, the world, in our own flesh, cease not to assault us. Do thou therefore preserve and strengthen us by the power of thy Holy Spirit, that we may not be overcome in this spiritual warfare, but constantly and strenuously may resist our foes till at last we obtain a complete victory. 128. How dost thou conclude thy prayer? Answer for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. It is all these we ask of thee, because thou, being our King and Almighty, art willing and able to give us all good. And always we pray for that thereby not we, but thy holy name may be glorified forever. 129. What does the word Amen signify? Amen signifies it shall truly and certainly be for my prayer is more assuredly heard of God than I feel in my heart that I desire these things of him. So far, the ending of the Lord's Prayer. Three thoughts, a prayer for deliverance. There is the sixth petition in question 127. That is a prayer for deliverance. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from, 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 from evil. Secondly, a prayer using arguments. Prayer using arguments. For thine is the kingdom, and thine is the power, and thine is the glory forever. Those are arguments. And in the third place, a prayer in faith. Not a prayer in the sense of, you can always ask, you never know. But when we say, Amen, we say, the Lord has heard me. He has heard me, and he will, also in the future. So the ending of the Lord's Prayer, a prayer for deliverance, a prayer using arguments, and a prayer in faith. Congregation Abraham lied to the Pharaoh. He said, she's my sister. She wasn't. Her God was also in trouble. Unfortunately, the Pharaoh let him go. Didn't even kill him. He could also keep all his cattle. But he had lied. Lot loved to live in Sodom. 
was so involved in worldly things. Very dangerous. Moses, he hit a rock and could not enter into Canaan. He was not perfect either. And Samson had an affair. And David committed adultery. And Paul and Barnabas had disagreements. And the apostle Peter, he, he said to the Lord Jesus, that will not happen. So we see in all of the Bible saints' lives so many weaknesses, even after they were born again. Although they were drawn out of the darkness, there were still so many weaknesses and so many shortcomings, yet so many sins. And therefore they need to be encouraged to persevere. We believe in the perseverance of the saints, don't we? That's the fifth chapter of the Kansas Lord. The perseverance of the saints, they will not quit. They will not lose their salvation. The price was paid for them. The Lord Jesus has given his blood. They're engrafted in his hands. They're always before him. He sees them. He does not lose contact. But nevertheless, although there is a perseverance, they need to persevere. And the Lord makes them to persevere. And how do they persevere? Well, they persevere in living a holy life in prayer, for example. Not only prayer, but also in prayer. They persist and do not cease and keep knocking on the door and keep continuing. So therefore, they are dependent. It's a prayer of dependence. So Lord, lead us not to temptation. I cannot stand a moment. I will lose my salvation. Lord, keep me. Hold on to me. Lead me not to temptation. I will fall. I don't trust myself. I'm not so strong. What a dependence upon the Lord. What a help God's people need after they have received a new heart. You may think that you have a new heart. You're fine. If you have a new heart, you live a holy life. If you have a new heart, then things go smoothly. But it's still that old nature, right? That old man. So therefore, they need the help of the Lord. Also in a spiritual sense, it is true as we read in 127, Psalm 127, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain, they, they build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchmen wake, but in vain. And that is normal in this life, in daily life, also in a spiritual sense. If the Lord does not build the house and watch, then the city of the soul will fall. Truly, in vain is salvation hoped for from the hills and from the multitude of mountains. Truly, in the Lord our God is the salvation of Israel. It is, depends solely 
only upon the Lord. Without the Lord's help, in perseverance, it's, it all comes to nothing. John 15. I am divine, ye the branches, he that abides in me, and I in him. Remember that from this morning's service? Psalm, abide in me, and I in him. The same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. That's also true in that spiritual sense. They cannot persevere. They can't, they're too weak. So they say, Lord, keep me. May, give me strength. Give me the ability to fight. Lead us not into temptation. And if God's children don't persevere and don't pay attention to this, they will fall into sins, and the consequences are serious. They will also experience coldness, and the Holy Spirit is grieved and withdraws. And God's children receive a time of darkness because of their sins if they don't persevere. So in that sense, helpless, and they need the constant help of the Lord. There are art enemies, right? And besides this, sins are mortal enemies. The devil, the world, our first cease not to assault us. Because children are constantly under attack, like the Ukraine. And they call for weapons. And they say, Lord, help us. Help us. We, we, we fail. Without the help, it is no-brainer. We will lose the, the, the fight or So God's people are so weak and they don't have the arms. They don't have the ability to fight themselves. And they completely depend on, on the help from outside. Not the help of the U.S. and the European Union or Canada, but the help of the Holy Spirit, right? Because those enemies, the devil, the world, are, are mortal, meaning they want to kill. That's the purpose. They want to kill. So God's people are constantly under attack from those mortal enemies. Mortal means deadly enemies. And they have to be on their guard. They have to be alert. They have to keep their eyes open and watch and pray because of that, the temptations. Now, temptations are sometimes the Lord's temptations. Sometimes the Lord is tempting his people, right? Like he tempted Abraham, and he said, now you have to bring your son and lead him on the mountain, and you have to sacrifice him. He just tested him. He proved him. He wanted to test him. So there's also temptation, in the, in the good sense of the word. There's also a type of temptation from, from, from the devil and from the world and from 
your own heart, and that, they, that their purpose is to, to kill. Do you remember that parable of the unjust judge ending with, when the Lord Jesus shall come back, will he find faith on earth? Will he find faith? But yes, Job was also tempted. The Lord said to Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? There is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that fears God and assures evil. Have you seen him? The Lord said to, to Satan, Have you seen Job? He is an example. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for naught? Is it for nothing? No wonder. He is doing that for selfish reasons. Hast thou, thou not made a hedge about him and about his house to protect him, a fence, and about all that he has on every side? And thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land? No wonder. He is such an example, and he is assuring evil, and that he is upright and perfect and complete. No wonder. He is benefiting from it. But before thine hand now, Lord, come with thy hand, touch all he has, and he will curse thee to the face, Satan said. And the Lord said to Satan, Satan, behold, all that he has is in thy power. Go ahead. Tempt him. Tempt him to sin. Only not, only upon himself, put not for thy hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord, and he tempted with permission of the Lord. It's kind of hard to understand, right? The Lord was testing. Satan was not testing. Satan wanted him to fall. Satan wanted to ruin him. Satan wanted to kill his soul and to have it for himself and lead him to hell. So Satan, for tempting God's people, needs permission. And the Lord can stop him. And the Lord can say, only so far. And that's what the Lord is doing. So Satan and world and the flesh are still assaulting God's people and making their life difficult. And Satan, all, all the mortal enemies, hope to kill, but the Lord holds them in his hand. They can all, all go so far. And that's what we are praying for, which is the sixth petition Lead us not into temptation. Because, Lord, thou hast the power to limit. Deliver us from evil. Not the evil things in the sense of the consequences of sin, but also sin itself. The sins just so weak in ourselves. Do you agree with that? So weak in ourselves? Are you strong? Maybe you have professed something, 
Maybe you have attended the before. Are you such a strong man, a strong woman, able to resist evil? You're not. We are weak. We are all weak. The best, the person that is led the farthest is, is weak. Weak in ourselves that we cannot stand a moment. That's humbling, isn't it? But it's true. They cease not to assault us. Do thou therefore pre- preserve and strengthen us by the power of thy Holy Spirit. Lord, preserve us. Prevent things to happen and strengthen us also personally, you know, soul and mind by the power of thy Holy Spirit. They may not be overcome because it's a, it's a spiritual warfare. It's a warfare. It's not an easy route for God's people. It's not so that they just, just always walk with joy the road to heaven and just always are upbeat and always rejoicing in the Lord and, always, and never have any difficulties. No. It's not always so easy. So therefore they need to put effort into it. And one of the things is that they must pray. Lead us not into temptation. But let me show you a few more places from the Bible indicating that the life of God's people is a strife, is a war, and that there are many temptations. Luke 13. Strive. Strive. That's not only a word for unconverted ones, also God's people. Strive. Keep striving. Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. That is not the gate at the beginning of the road. It's the gate at the end of the road. Strive to enter in that straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in. See, it is the final gate and shall not be able, because they have not been striving. As you know, in the Pilgrim's Progress, the gate is earlier. But here in this text, the gate is later. Or Luke 21. Watch ye therefore. Watch it. And pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of God. So watch and pray. See that? So I'm also talking to God's people tonight. Pray. Keep praying. You're not in yet. You are still on the road. You still have to strive. You're not completely saved yet. You're paid for. You're one of his. You've been adopted, but you're not in the gate yet. So there's lots of strife so far. John 6, verse 27. Labor. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, 
for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him has God the Father sealed. So labor, not laboring for the things of this life and world, but to labor in that spiritual sense, laboring in the sense of enduring. Or 1 Corinthians 9, Know ye not that they which run in a race, run all but one receive the prize, so run that he may obtain. So is it not interesting that God's people are just encouraged to really put effort into seeking the Lord? So it's not so that in the Bible the unconverted ones only are encouraged to seek the Lord and to fight, to strive, and to enter, and to run. No, God's people are as well. Are we such warriors? Do we wear the armor of God? Are we alert or are we lazy? Are we like the sleeping five foolish virgins? That's an interesting parable, you know. The five foolish virgins, you remember, you remember them, right? They were also waiting for the bridegroom. They all said all with them, right? They also fell asleep. I don't see much difference, do you? Where the five eyes? And then the bridegroom comes and they don't have enough oil. Then they go back to town and they buy some more oil and they come back and they have enough oil. But then the door is closed and they don't get in anymore. See how close it is. See how dangerous it is to not take things completely seriously. They had some oil. They were waiting. They were not in bed at home. They were outside waiting for him. So close to the kingdom of God, but they were not striving. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Some say there are seven petitions. I don't think so. I keep it with the Hebrew Catechism on six. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil is one petition. <clears throat> so, a prayer for deliverance. And, of course, it does not completely depend on God's people. The Lord Jesus, as I have indicated before, Lord Jesus is holding on to them. He is faithful, and nobody will pluck them out of his hand. Let's go to the next one. Prayer using arguments. In the Lord's Prayer, we find an address. Our Father is out in heaven. Then three petitions for God, three petitions for us people, and then it ends with 
for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Now, what is the sense of saying that? What does that mean? For thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory. Is that a doxology? Is that saying, O Lord, we praise thy glory, we praise thy power, we speak highly of thee. Did they end with uh, doxology? The longer I think about it, the more I'm convinced that the Lord wants his people to pray a certain way. Not only praying for certain things, like his kingdom and his name and his will and the daily bread and the forgiveness of the debts and not being led into temptation, all the essential things are in there but also the way, the tone, the power in it, the fervency. So the Lord is teaching his, 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 his children, his disciples, to pray for certain things, but then also to use arguments, to, to come up with reasons. So, let me just simplify that. Lord, hallowed be thy name, because thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, right? Give us this daily bread, Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, right? So you have to connect all those six petitions with those arguments. For thine, for thine means because, Lord. So it is that foot in the door again. It is that fervent prayer. It's that powerful prayer. We see that quite often in the Bible. Let me give you a few examples. Return, O Lord. Deliver my soul, or oh, save me, for thy mercy's sake. So save me, because thou art a merciful God. Or Psalm 25, remember not the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions, According to thy mercy, remember thou me for thy goodness sake, O Lord. So it is not only the question, don't remember my sins and transgressions, but also a reason. Lord, according to thy mercy, remember thou me for thy goodness sake. So it is beautiful when a petitioner comes in prayer to the Lord and says, Lord, our Father is in heaven, and then comes with all the requests, and then ends with, Lord, I, I dare to say this. I dare to ask all this, because I know that thou art merciful. For thine is the kingdom, 
and the power and the glory. And I know that for thy glory, God can do it. It's arguing in a beautiful, positive, holy way, arguing with the Lord and saying, Lord, do this because I know that thou art able, because I know that thou art willing. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. This all this we ask of thee, because thou being our king and almighty art willing and able to give us all good. So there's something at, at the end of your prayer. To say at the end of your prayer, Lord, we ask all this. Because we are, we know that thou art willing, we know that thou art able to give us all those things. And all this we pray for, that thereby not we, but thy holy name may be glorified forever. So we pray this for thy glory. So it's a very strong argument, right? For thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon mine iniquity, for it is great. Hear me, O Lord, for thy loving kindness is good. Turn unto me according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. The petition is pleading, pleading and reminding God, reminding God of that he is an almighty God, that he is a good doing God, that he is able and willing to remind the Lord. Daniel 9, same thing. Now therefore, O our God, heed the prayer of thy servant and his supplications, and cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. For thyself, O God, O my God, incline thine ear and hear. Open thine eyes and behold our desolations and the city which is called by thy name. For we do not present our supplications before thee for our righteousnesses, but for thy great mercies. Lord, we don't ask this because we are so good. Because we deserve it. No, we are asking it for thyself, for thy glory, for thy sake. Suppose we have to convince the Lord and argue with the Lord in the sense that we, in such a sense that we present our worthiness. That makes people depressed. But to remind God of who he is, is beautiful. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hearken and do. Defer not for thine own sake. O my God, for thy city and thy people call by thy name. So in the verse 4, thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. I hear the petitioner knocking on the door. I say, Lord, I have come with six petitions and now hear us, 
for thy own name's sake. Lord, do it, do it, do it. So this uh, closing statement, and beautiful. The reason why I, we have read Psalm 86 is that in Psalm 86 we find many of those examples. Many of those fours. And I'm going to, to read to you there a few pieces, a few, 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 few verses. And listen for the four. And listen to the argument. Listen to the power in it. Bow down thine ear, O Lord, and hear, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my soul, for I am holy. Pardon me? I'm holy? He means I have been set apart. Right? That's what holy means, right? To be set apart. I have been set apart, Lord. He preserve my soul, for I am holy. O thou my God, save thy servant that trusteth in thee. I trust in thee, Lord. Be merciful unto me, O Lord, for I cry unto thee daily. Rejoice the soul of thy servant, for unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Do something to end your prayer tonight, close the day, with I cry unto thee daily, rejoice the soul of thy servant, lift up my soul, for thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive. So again, like in Psalm 130, reminding the Lord, Lord, thou art good. Thou art ready to forgive. And plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon me. Remind the Lord of that, of his mercies. And in the day of my trouble I will call upon thee, for thou wilt answer me. For thou wilt answer me. All nations whom thou hast made shall come and worship before thee, O Lord, and shall glorify thy name, for thou art great. And doest wondrous things. Thou art God alone. And it goes on. Psalm 86, you may want to read it again and see how the petition is arguing the Lord, saying, Lord, this and this, and do it for this reason, then. Heal me because for thy goodness sake. Heal me for thy mercy's sake. Heal me because thou art plenty of mercy. Heal me because thou art ready to forgive. And that's the same, I believe, in the Lord's Prayer. After the six petitions, there is that power. Lord, do it for thine is the king and the power and the glory. Right? And of course, that is especially for the Lord Jesus' sake. 
Ephesians 4, verse 32. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. So that's why we also pray and say at the end of our prayers, for Jesus' sake. So this parallel to for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. This parallel to for Jesus' sake, not for my sake. I have nothing. So in the sixth petition, the petitioner is asking the Lord to not be led into temptation, but to be delivered from evil, and then he comes with arguments to to put force into it, to put power into it, and it comes with arguments. That is the kingdom, power, glory, forever. So also part of that argument is forever. All these he asks of the them because. He said for, they now say because. Because thou being our king and almighty, art willing and able to give us all good. And all this we pray for, that thereby not we, see that, not we, but thy holy name may be glorified forever. So for thyself, for thy name, for thy fame, for thy glory, brings us to the third thought. Why do we say amen after a prayer? Or after a sermon. What does it mean, amen? Children, what does it mean, amen? Does it mean stop? Does it mean that's it? Does it mean let's close now? What does amen mean? What would amen, amuna and emet, and all those words related as a Hebrew word? And it means truth. Firm, unchangeable, trustworthy. The word is even used for believing. Remember Abraham standing outside of the tent and the Lord pointing to the stars and telling him, Abraham, don't worry. So shall thy seed be. See the number of the stars? You can't even number them. So shall thy seed be. And you know what Abram said, right? Abram believed God. Right? Believed God. But believe is actually he said amen. He amened it. He believed it. Believing is saying amen. Right? Even in our language, when people say, make a statement and you agree with that, you say amen. Right. I believe you're right. So now at the end of our prayer, we read read the word amen. So are we encouraging people in the congregation tonight to just believe that the Lord will give everything you're asking for? Is that the meaning of amen? Should we just pray and believe that the Lord will give anything we're asking for? 
I don't think that it's possible to explain that way. There are too many examples in the Bible of prayers the Lord is not answering. Not answering. Isaiah 1. And when ye spread for your hands, spreading out your hands on high, and when you spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when ye make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. See that? So we have to just think this through together. You cannot say amen at the end of any prayer. James 4, verse 3, ye ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your own lust. So we can say amen at the end of the prayer if it is a prayer according to God's will. What is a prayer according to God's will? A prayer like like this. A prayer like the Lord's Prayer, including not my will. Thy will be done. Right? If that's in your prayer, it makes all the difference. If you say, Lord, I'm asking this, but thy will be done. That prayer can be ended with amen. Or when people ask you, Lord, give me this day our daily bread. There is a prayer you can say amen on. Not you, you can't say, Lord, make me a rich, make me a multimillionaire. And then you say amen. You have to believe that. Nonsense. So we need to read in, in, in context, right? And yet, if we pray this way, the Lord will heal. But if you take it literally, then you can ask, Lord, I hope that I never have to die, that they never get sick. That I always be rich. That I always be happy. You're not supposed to ask those things. If you say amen at the end, there's no. You can't say it that way. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and the bread is not, and it shall be given him, but... Let him ask in faith, not wavering. For he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. So summarizing, when we pray this beautiful prayer and say amen, 
that we say amen to a very specific, simple, godly prayer. But yes, if that's the case, it is beautiful. And if you have enough with your daily bread, and if you say the Lord's will be done, it is about his kingdom, his power, his glory, and you pray this prayer, then you may say amen after it. I encourage you to say amen. I encourage you then to also understand it and to say it this way. Amen signifies it shall truly and certainly be. For my prayer is more assured to the heart of God than I feel in my heart. So I don't always feel it. But I am more assured, for my prayer is more assuredly heard of God than I feel in my heart. So that is faith, right? Faith is not based on your feelings. Faith is based on the promises, on the Bible, upon the Word of God. So if you're one of his, if you know this prayer spiritually, experientially, then I encourage you to say amen at the end. And to believe it and to give all things over in his hands and to trust him and say, Lord, I have asked those six petitions, so to speak, and I have put those arguments in front of thee, for thine is the king and the power and the glory, and now I let go. I give it all in the hands of God, and I trust in him. And I'm so happy. Whatever befalls on me, it is out of his fatherly hand. I don't have worries anymore. That's what it is. Signifies it shall truly and certainly be, for my prayer is heard. It's more assuredly heard of God than I feel in my heart. That I desire these things. I desire these things, but I am convinced that the Lord will hear me. That is really a joyful prayer. If you pray this from the heart, it is real. And you can say, Amen at the end. There's such a happiness and peace in your heart. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Here too have you asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Quite a few times, especially in the writings of John, that your joy may be full. Also, 1 John 1, verse 4, and these things write, I write the unto you that your joy might be full. So rejoice in God. You people of God, rejoice in Him. Rejoice your Father in heaven will hear you. Believe that. Say amen. 
Do you trust him? Think again about of, of Abraham, right? Abraham, he heard God. The Lord promised, and he said, I believe it. He amened it. So, children of God, there is reason for more happiness. There's reason for more dependence, for more striving and prayer and laboring and trusting, you know, all those things. May the Lord give to increase in those things. And you are a stranger of God's grace. Seek the kingdom of God first. And its righteousness and all the other things will be added unto you. Amen.